0: Welcome to Misinformation, the podcast for ladies who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. So,
1: our first episode uh, about presidents of the United States aired uh, a little earlier this month mm. and um, we got a lot of positive feedback from everybody. We
0: did. We got a lot of positive feedback, so thank you to our listeners. Julia. Lots of positive feedback, in <isn't> it? <laughs> Julia, what's going on with you right now? What's going on? uh,
1: For the last few days, I've just read so much about Charles Dickens and his life,
0: and I just really, I really thought I might stick with this. Oh, uh, wow. You're going like, (laughs) you're going like real low class with that. Uh, Is this what you're going to do for the whole topic? Uh, I don't know. Think about it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited regardless. That
1: leads us to this week's topic. Uh, we will be talking about Charles Dickens, Lauren. When I when I say Charles Dickens, what do you think of?
0: I think of uh, a book that I read a while back called *Drood*, which was a historical fiction novel about the relationship between Charles Dickens and Wilkie Collins, and also a bunch of murder in there. Yeah, yeah, that's great um and we will talk about uh
1: edwin drood later um yeah so charles dickens i bet a lot of us you know think of him as an author we are forced to read during high school Mm -hmm. um at various points in time um i know that in seventh grade english at my high school uh those of us who were in the gifted program shout out to reap um We were somehow separated from the other people in our <laughs> English class, and they got to read like *Call of the Wild* and like other like appropriate seventh-grade mm-hmm. literature in English class in seventh grade. And those of us in the gifted program had to go sit out in the hallway what? and read *Great Expectations* for like I don't know nine months. It was a very sit l- out in the hallway just in the hallway. Wow! And we were. Are you just- sure that
0: was the gifted program? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Are you, are you sure
0: you weren't all collectively being punished?
1: I did I yeah and um I still talk to a couple of my friends uh who also had to share this experience with me. So um <laughs> I've kind of always harbored uh some ill will if yeah. you, if you will I would um, towards Charles Dickens because I Again, Great Expectations is a very long book, and maybe not for seventh graders. No. Uh, So, a little about our man Charles Dickens, Charlie D. Okay, Charlie Chucky Chucky D. If you will, Chucky Dick. Yeah. So he (laughs) was born. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) he was born
0: uh, Charles John Huffam Dickens. Huffam, Huffam. Can I can I guess how that's spelled? Sure. H u f f a m. Absolutely. (gasps) Yes. You
1: are already passing 19th century british (laughs) spelling seventh grade
0: reap go ahead
1: (laughs) so uh charles was born in portsmouth england in february 1812 to john and elizabeth dickens um he was their second of eight children wow yeah um at age nine he started school which he really enjoyed. Um, and in 1824, when Charles was 12, uh, his father was sent to a debtor's prison. Oh. Yeah. And uh, Charles had to go to work at a blacking factory, um, which is where he pasted labels onto pots of blacking, which is a mixture used to polish boots. Oh. So to help support the family while his father was in debtor's prison, <laughs> um, he had to go to work at age 12. So uh, he, his father, you know father got out after a little bit was able to and um charles was able to go back to school which is good uh but in 1827 his family was evicted for not paying their rent Mm -hmm. um so charles had to leave school again uh and became a clerk at a solicitor's office when he was 15 so he worked as a freelance reporter a court reporter and then he also considered a career in acting oh um, but his writing was very good. Uh, in 1833, he published his first story, which was called a dinner at Poplar walk in the monthly magazine, which was a, a literary magazine mm. at the time in, 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 England. Uh, in 1836, he collected a bunch of his previously published stories and, um, published them as his first book called sketches by Bose. Um, it's spelled B-O-Z. I thought I would have initially said Boz. Yeah. But uh the nickname, which was his nickname, uh, <laughs> came because something about his brother was uh making fun of him for seeming like a character in a book whose name was Moses, and then that somehow became Bose, and oh. then they shortened it to Bose, I assume. So I'm gonna refer to it as as Bose mm-hmm. as his pen name and nickname. Um so if uh if I'm totally off base, someone can reach <laughs> out to me. Uh his so,
0: descendants. Yes.
1: <laughs> so sketches by Bose, eighteen thirty six. So his uh writing career, and you know, we'll get to all that in a bit, mm-hmm. uh, was about eighteen thirty six to eighteen sixty five. So in the 1840s, um, turns out he was a real magic enthusiast. Ooh. Um, he uh, performed, did performances um, <laughs> under the name the
0: unparalleled necromancer, Rio Rama Rus. Oh my God. He sounds like the most insufferable <laughs> person at a party. <laughs> You're like, oh geez, here he comes. <laughs> He's probably gonna ask me to like get into this closet and i'll vanish
1: yeah yeah. do a
0: card trick or something (laughs) (laughs) bows
1: (laughs) so uh he was also really into mesmerism Mm. Uh, so that's uh also called animal magnetism uh that's where mesmerists thought that you could heal and have other effects on the human body by controlling the magnetic fluid that's inside people
0: oh of course the magnetic fluid's (laughs) Yes, so by you know
1: waving your hands in a certain direction, mm-hmm. you would um,
0: control the
1: the fluids. Okay, yeah, make them better. I guess <laughs> uh, not an exact science. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, he was just really into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever actually like healed anybody. Well, you know. no doubt. That's that's lost to history. <laughs> um, Charles, our boy Charles, also had a pet raven named Grip. Grip. Um, Grip, G-R-I-P. Um, he died in 1841 and Dickens had him taxidermied. Um, and Grip the raven actually now lives in the rare books room at the Free Library of Philadelphia.
0: Oh, hey, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Also, that's kind of a badass accessory to be carrying around. This <laughs> is my like, raven named grip, like, grip. ravens are huge. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. big birds. And uh, you will hear a little bit more about Grip in, uh, in a little bit. Oh, I'm waiting. I'm so excited.
1: So... Um, Speaking of Philadelphia, uh, Dickens made his first trip to America in 1842. Mm. Um, however, he was not like very impressed with America at the time. He thought like factories were gross and people didn't have any manners. And Okay, I can see where know, it's coming from. It's 1842, so you also have a lot of, you know, the, pro- the problems leading up to the Civil War. stuff. Oh, like that. true. So um, he eventually wrote about some of his travels to America and painted it in, in not such a good light. So... Mm. Uh, he had 10 children with his wife, Catherine Hogarth. Uh, they married in 1836, but then they separated in 1858, uh, which was really, r- a really public messy breakup. Yeah. I because, heard it was kind of scandalous. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were like lots of rumors of his infidelity with people. Mm. Um, he definitely had like at least a couple of mistresses anyway. One of them was, uh, was a
0: major actress at the time. Unsurprising. He uh. seemed like a real asshole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was one of the most famous authors of his day though. So like he, yeah. you know, he got to kind of enjoy the perks of, uh, of Being his labor. A dude. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So uh, Dickens and his wife, Catherine, they had only a little correspondence after the break. Um, She moved to a house in London with their oldest son, and then Dickens moved to Kent at um, a house called Gad's Hill where he lived out the rest of his Mm -hmm. life. Um, He moved there with Catherine's sister, Georgina, and then all of the other children went with him. So nine children and the sister-in-law moved
0: to to Kent with him. I wonder what Um, the story is with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it didn't sound like anything with her was particularly scandalous no um, but
0: you know like you think you have a okay so this guy breaks up with my sister in like a really yeah. scandalous way and then he's like hey come live with me and i'm and gonna take go care of my nine children yeah and while take care I, of my nine children while i travel around the world you know performing and reading and writing and being right. a famous guy and i'm gonna be like yeah okay yeah great <laughs> Sign me up. How much money? Yeah, all that too. What's, Maybe he did pay what's her What's my wealth.
1: allowance? Yeah. Um. So again, like he and, he and his, you know, estranged wife didn't really talk much after they separated. But on her deathbed, she gave her collection of Dickens letters to her one daughter and instructed her, give these to the British Museum that the world may know he loved me once. Aww,
0: Isn't that really sad? Oh, that's so sad. Yeah,
1: so... It was yeah, that was a little little sad note. Poor but. honey. Um, in 1865, Charles was involved in a train
0: derailment. Um, yes, this is the part of it in Drood mm-hmm. that's like the big deal. Yeah, anyway, continue. Yeah.
1: So um his uh he was traveling. Um his first class carriage was the only one that stayed on the train tracks yeah. while like seven of the other first cars on the train crashed off of a bridge that was under repair. Mm-hmm. Um so at the time he was able to like kind of get out and tend to some of the wounded, like give them like some whiskey from his flask. Mm-hmm. Um and then he actually had to go back into the train car to get his unfinished manuscript for our mutual friend oh my god um so 10 people died in that derailment and there were 40 others injured um he was really shaken by this whole incident yeah Um, he lost his voice for two weeks afterward like Mm. he was really like nervous to ride on trains and be around trains and hear trains after that so um that was yeah that was like another like kind of crazy incident that that took place in his life Um, A couple years after that, though, he um, came back to America for his second tour of America. And apparently at this point, he had a much better visit this time around. Mm -hmm. Um, He was contacted by the founder of the Perkins School for the Blind in Massachusetts Mm -hmm. when he was there. Um, They asked him permission if they could publish one of his books in Braille. And Dickens paid more than like $1,700 to have 250 copies of the book printed in Braille and distributed to all the blind schools in America. So that was like a nice little... Nice little philanthropy that he did because he's you not know. all bad, yeah, not all bad. Uh, in 1870, he met Queen Victoria. <gasps> um, and then he also died of a cerebral
0: hemorrhage. Uh, those, those were not related, it's,
1: <laughs> it's not like he met Queen, the queen Victoria and then, him. like, yeah, yeah, and then it.
0: immediately dropped dead. Right. But what a way to go, you know, you get <laughs> yeah. to meet the, the monarch of your country who was when was 18 when did she die, 1901 1908? Mm-hmm. Uh, Somewhere around there. Yes, she
1: was definitely had been in power for a couple of decades at this point. Yes, that's true.
0: I'm just trying to remember if this was her um, post husband dying. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, black dress, very Mm -hmm. saftig, if you want to say she was a. a lover of sweets, our Queen Vicky. So, I, hey, I feel her. No, you know? I mean, hey, if you're rich and you could do literally whatever you want, you don't have to stay pretty. You can you're take like, whatever you want. Exactly. It's if really the dream. Mourn your darling, Mr. Saxe-Coburg. Like, <laughs> I miss you. Um, and I know that uh, you are, a, in particular, are a fan
1: of the last words of famous people. I am. Um, so Dickens' last words were, On the ground. Uh, right. I think this was in response to his sister-in-law Georgina had said something to him about lying down and he responded,
0: on the ground. Oh, weird. And that was, that was yeah. it. It's yep. kind of anticlimactic, yeah, I guess. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they can't don't all know. be like <laughs> super dramatic and, you know. Like.
1: <laughs> so um, Dickens was buried in Westminster Abbey and okay. mm-hmm. in the poet's corner at Westminster Abbey. So if you are in London you, and you are so inclined, you can go and visit his grave there. Uh, so there is that popular myth that Dickens' novels are all so long because he was paid by the word. Um, yeah. So that's not really accurate. Um, he, was, he wasn't he was paid by the word. He was paid by the installment. So a lot of his eventual novels were ser- serialized. So a lot of oh, them were okay. published in about 19 or 20 installments. So it was kind of like a chapter or a couple chapters at a time. Um, so he was... That's how it was paid. I know, I know a lot of people are like, uh, yeah, that's why. His books were so long because they paid him by the word. So why wouldn't you just keep writing and writing and writing
0: Yeah. Well, like Dan
1: Brown? <laughs> I
0: mean, <laughs> let's be honest. His books were so long because he was kind of a blowhard. Like yeah, He sure. just really liked putting his thoughts out there yeah. without any sense of editing. So, <laughs> you know, God bless him. He made money. No one said, you know what, Charlie, that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Uh,
1: Another fun fact is, according to John Greenfield and his Dictionary of British Literary Characters, uh, Dickens created more than 989 named characters during his career. So if you can just picture like... How authors nowadays have like index cards or like yeah. you know, pin things up on a on a bulletin board or something to keep kind of like of keep track of everybody.
0: He had nine hundred eighty nine like named characters. That's a lot of people rattling around in your head. Sure. You know. Yeah. Because they're you know I've I've heard like rumor tell that writers are like you know sometimes my characters they have their minds of their own like I'll be trying to sleep and then my (laughs) character kitty is like I want more information about me and then I have to get up you know that kind of thing yeah but that's a lot of personalities just kind (laughs) of knocking around right yep and um and we'll get to
1: some of them um, some of them are definitely like thinly veiled autobiographical characters yeah. um and other characters from his life and some of his friends too so sure. um there's a lot uh, there's he had a lot to draw from i guess mm-hmm. um so, and also some of the names of Dickens characters are some of the more unique in fiction. Yep. Um, so, uh, some examples I saw were characters like Sweetlepipe, Honey Thunder, <laughs> Bumble, Pumblechook, and Machokum Child. What? Um, no. They are. <laughs> Say that again. What is
0: it? Machokum Child? Machokum Child? Yeah. Stop it. Is that a surname or is that yeah, like an entire like, name? Yeah, that's like. So, it's like Dan, like Billy, sure. Machokum Child. Yep. Mm. yeah i don't know why but it doesn't it sound
1: like that's somebody that works in an orphanage
0: (laughs) (laughs) that also sounds i don't know why maybe it's just me it sounds vaguely racist like (laughs) it sounds a little like he was like copying the Mm. speech patterns Mm -hmm. of a minority for jokiness but hey maybe that's possible (laughs)
1: anyway so so, yeah so um i mean there's a lot of times where you can just kind of see a summary of a book and just kind of know oh they're talking about dickens because oh yeah like of how these these surnames and these books look so uh now we're getting to some of his famous novels so i'm gonna i'm gonna do some summaries because these are the types of things that show up in pub quiz or on jeopardy um dickens is a (laughs) dickens has been an answer to so many questions oh my gosh. on Jeopardy that um that these are really the books that people should know. Yes. Um so even if you don't wanna read nine hundred pages and don't of great expectations in a hallway. Go see the um, movie. This way. <laughs> this way. You'll at least know like who the main characters are and mm-hmm. a little bit of what happens. So I'm gonna go in chronological order. So the first one uh, is his first published short stories, which was sketches by bose 1836 great that's really all i need to know Those his first short so, stories sketches by bose is actually charles dickens um his first actual novel was uh, so also so <laughs> a lot of these book titles like as we know them they actually have like a
0: really long title yeah that was kind of the right. thing of the day where it's like nicholas nickleby or the time <laughs> i took a boat and I had travelled across the world and I met some people and it was pretty cool. Also I tried something called a peanut. Like it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like you might Great. as well just put the whole plot in the yep. title. Mm-hmm. So
1: uh I get the first the first novel okay. is The Posthumous Papers of the Pickwick
0: Club. also Also known known as as the Pickwick Pickwick Papers. Papers. So that's uh,
1: 1836, 1837. So that one was originally um, written under his pseudonym. So it said edited by Bose. Um, It was his first novel published in 19 issues over 20 months. So the plot of this, um, it's a series of loosely related adventures. Um, So the novel's main character, Samuel Pickwick Esquire, um, he's a kindly... Wealthy old gentleman. Mm. Um, he is the founder and perpetual president of the Pickwick Club, um, and he wants to study life and suggests that he and three other Pickwickians, um, who are named Nathaniel Winkle, Augustus, Sud- Augustus Snodgrass, and Tracy Tupman, um, they should make journeys to places remote from London and report on their findings to other members of the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their travels throughout the English countryside by coach provide uh, the chief theme of the novel. Uh, So Sam Weller is a Cockney shoe shine boy turned valet with a great sense of humor and a way of mangling descriptions and proverbs that came to be known as Wellerisms. So a Wellerism um, typically includes a proverb or a saying, a speaker, and a humorous literal translation. So a couple examples of Wellerisms are, I stand corrected, said the man in the orthopedic shoes. hilarious (laughs) hilarious <laughs> uh, or, we'll have to rehearse that said the undertaker as the coffin fell out of the car <laughs> so that's so okay, that's, that's a wellerism um it. and a tom swifty is a type of wellerism so uh, tom swifties are another one of these you know kind of punny you know uh jokey uh saying literary yeah. yeah um so a tom swifty here are some examples of those um that doesn't add up, said Tom, nonplussed, or
0: Ooh. we just struck oil, Tom gushed. So Okay. All right. So that's yeah. a subtle difference, yeah. but along the same lines, it's wordplay. Right. So, okay. yes.
1: So these have a very particular name, which is great. Oh. Uh, so another bit of trivia related to Pickwick Papers, um, there is a medical condition called Pickwickian Syndrome. After a character in this novel, Mm -hmm. so it's um it's technical like medical name is obesity hypoventilation syndrome. What? Uh, It's a condition in which severely overweight people fail to breathe rapidly enough or deeply enough, resulting in low blood oxygen levels and then like high blood CO two levels. That sounds painful. Yeah, it's not. It's not good. Um, So there's a lot of people with this condition. They sometimes frequently stop breathing altogether for short (sighs) periods of time, um, especially during sleep. So this is, you know, related to sleep apnea as well. So um, this results in many partial awakenings during the night, leading to continual sleepiness during the day. Um, So the discovery of obesity hypoventilation syndrome is generally attributed to the authors of a 1956 report about a professional poker player who, um, after he gained a lot of weight, Became abnormally drowsy and fatigued and prone to fall asleep during the day, along with developing like edema of the legs and like heart failure. Not <laughs> oh great. Oh my god! Uh, but the authors who like discovered this condition coined the condition Pickwickian syndrome after the character Joe from the Pickwick Papers because okay. he was uh, he was a markedly guy? obese and tended to fall asleep and control me during the day. Well, so, the poor guy couldn't breathe. Yeah, Man. yeah. So it's possible that you know maybe Dickens wrote you know, this character about a person that he knew. Yeah. And they just didn't know that there was, you know, any, like this was like an actual medical condition. So that's so interesting. Yeah. So it's a, it's a real medical, medical term nowadays. Wow. All right. Uh, We're out of the Pickwick papers. Now we are into Oliver Twist or the parish boys progress. 1839. Uh, So the plot, of Oliver which if you've seen the musical or watched the movie you kind of you know get the gist it's very catchy uh
0: a lot of the songs I don't think I've ever heard a single song from Oliver I know you're gonna (laughs) sing some for me I'll sing
1: to you later I (laughs) I don't you're not gonna sing it on (laughs) a podcast you
0: You have a microphone (laughs) right in front of you
1: um yes uh turns out I am going to sing the entirety (laughs) of the musical score of (laughs) Oliver are you ready settle in (laughs) folks So, uh, the plot of Oliver Twist. Uh, We got the orphan, whose name is Oliver Twist. Mm. Um, He's born in a workhouse and then sold into an apprenticeship with an undertaker. Uh, Undertaker, not too good to him. So, he escapes, uh, travels to London where he meets the artful Dodger. Um, who is a member of a gang of juvenile pickpockets led by the elderly criminal Fagan. Mm. So um, there's a sex worker named Nancy who takes pity upon and helps Oliver despite her tumultuous relationship with Bill Sykes, who's another member of Fagan's gang. Um, Sykes eventually actually kills Nancy after he thinks that she like turned against the gang oh. um, Oliver's taken in by a kindly gentleman named Mr. Brownlow and in the end it turns out that Mr. Brownlow is an old friend of his father's and he is adopted by Mr. Brownlow oh. and all the bad guys get their comeuppances or comesuppance I didn't figure out <laughs> what, what the actual
0: <laughs> plurality of that word is you know what this reminds me of the Disney movie okay Um, I think it was called Oliver. Yeah. I don't remember. It is. It's uh, it's an adaptation. Yeah. Okay. Great. Oliver and company. Oliver and company. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the music was by one Billy Joel. Oh. Um, and, uh, I was a big fan of it when I was a kid and you know what? You didn't even know. I want to watch it again. Yeah. It's a great movie. I'm going to watch it tonight. (laughs)
1: so um a, a couple related bits of trivia mm-hmm. um so thieves and vagabonds in the 16th to the 19th century kind of spoke in their own secret language called thieves can't like thieves sp- can't can't c-a-n-t as in like a uh, language is this one word yeah. or is it thieves space can't okay no apostrophe right all right now. c-a-n-t um it was also called flash or peddler's french um so this language kind of spread you know through the underworld through mm-hmm. the bad guys and, and especially <laughs> london but also other parts of europe um and some uh more kindly people published dictionaries for the general public to warn them of scams and the language that these bad guys might use oh. uh which in turn caused the language to evolve even more So in 1859, there was a police chief named George Matzel who put together one of the most complete um, dictionaries about this with words that are still in use today. So some of them include brag, gab, rat, oaf, and uh, the best word for face, mug. Mm, yes my favorite word Uh, for face (laughs) so in oliver one of the things that shows that he's inherently good is his inability to speak thieves can't oh i see so um dickens also included a short glossary in the back of like the published the final published volume to kind of like uh define what some of the the words that like the guys in fagin's gang are actually saying um and also uh, the role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons Ooh. also maintains its own fictional thieves' cant. So, oh my something god, that's that, so cool! You know that that people playing that. You know what? Game I really do.
0: feel like I have a latent Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons like love in me. Yeah, because I never was exposed to it when I was a kid, and uh, my fiance is into Dungeons D and D, as they call it on the street, <laughs> <laughs> and. And I just love this idea of like storytelling world building, right. which is so cool. I mean, granted it's like elves and yeah. But once you think about it,
1: like in that capacity, like oh, you're taking on a character and you're telling a story, Mm -hmm. then it is like way less uh, like super like nerdy and ostracizing than kind of it has been portrayed in media because you kind of always see like D&D players and they're, you know, they're They're a certain certain archetype and it's, you know, not very flattering. But it turns out that all kinds of people play D&D yeah. and it's just kind of like been portrayed in such a negative light that...
0: Well, in the 90s, I remember it was like a lot of parents were completely oh, freaked right. out because of mm-hmm. the satanic panic. They yeah. thought D&D was like a gateway drug sure. to their children. I don't know, worshiping Satan. Mm-hmm. I still, to this day, have no idea how that connection yeah. was made.
1: There was like one instance in the 80s where um, a teenager who had been playing Dungeons and Dragons hanged himself oh, and no. that kind of like spun off this whole like this is a really bad uh, influence and you know it, it, whether it was like him being bullied or like yeah his character was failing i don't yeah. i don't really remember all the details with that but um yeah it's just kind of like it, it it has been portrayed negatively and doesn't necessarily need to be not agreed um but yeah so D D has its own <laughs> thieves can't which
0: is which is kind of cool we should play D, jewel we got to play some D&D. All right. We'll do it. Maybe not on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll um,
0: spare you that. And
1: one more bit of trivia about Oliver Twist: um, There are two dietitians who published an article in the British Medical Journal in 2008, which was called "Please, Sir, I Want Some More." Um, the abstract reads, a dietetic analysis of Oliver Twist's workhouse diet, as well as contemporaneous workhouse menus, allows us to answer the question, did Oliver really need more? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, that's great, but man, what a waste of time. You know, what a waste of scholarly research. Yeah.
1: I like, mean, like you won slop of gruel, that, that's enough for you this morning. Yeah. Young wastrel. <laughs>
0: Wow, wastrel. That's a good word. Oh,
1: my God. <sighs> so uh, after after Oliver Twist, we come to Nicholas Nickleby, mm. um, also known as The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby, okay. published in 1839. So this is another one that first appeared in monthly parts, and then it was issued in one volume. So here's the plot. Nicholas Nickleby, he's the hero of our novel. Sure. What a surprise. Um, his father's died and left Nicholas and his family penniless. Mm. Um, Nicholas's uncle, Ralph, Ralph Nickleby um, he cares about nothing but money and takes an immediate li- immediate dislike to his nephew Nicholas what a jerk. Um, he does harbor something of a soft spot for Nicholas's younger sister Kate um, so Ralph gets Nicholas a low-paying job as an assistant to one of the greatest names in um, in
0: Dickens I'm literally leaning forward go Wackford Squeers <laughs> <laughs> Wackford Squeers Yeah um wackford mm, so is a
1: cruel one-eyed yorkshire schoolmaster who runs doth boys hall which is a boarding school for unwanted children oh my <laughs> god
0: you know when i he- when you hear the phrase like a character out of a dickens novel yeah that's it's, it's just painting yeah painting that, picture. painting that picture yeah
1: uh so our 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 pal Wackford. Mm. Um, he really mistreats the
0: boys that are at the school. Sure.
1: Um, he starves them and he beats them regularly.
0: Well with a name like
1: Wackford. Yeah, it's just right it's just it's right, right there. there. Um, so there's one one poor poor little kid named Smikes. s-m-i-k-e-s smikes um he's perpetually ill he's kind of dimwitted and he's been um (laughs) under wackford squeers care since he was very young uh but nicholas kind of helps him gives him the courage to run away um nicholas saves him and the two become traveling companions and very close friends and nicholas's other good friend is named newman noggs so newman noggs is in nicholas nickleby double ends um after smikes dies peacefully of a dread disease which is tuberculosis oh
0: my gosh i wasn't ready
1: for smikes to die
0: you just learned about him you know what i just got to know him how could you just pull that out of nowhere and tell me
1: yeah so after smikes dies it is revealed that he is actually ralph nickleby's son what? So turns out that like Nicholas they were cousins? and and Smikes were cousins the whole time. Oh no! And he never knew it. He didn't know. No. Nope. Oh, um. So Wackford Squeers, uh, he gets in trouble for something. It's very complicated. Okay. He gets in trouble for something and is sent to Australia. Great. And then there's another really bad guy named Sir Mulberry Hawk. Um. Mm. He kills another bad guy and flees to France and eventually ends up in a debtor's prison. Um. The other names to know from this book are Arthur Greed, who is an associate Ah. of Ralph Nickleby and his elderly housekeeper named Peg Sliderskew. Uh, Peg, Old Peg Sliderskew uh, (laughs) steals a bunch of papers from Greed um, to kind of like uh, eventually like uh, reveals him as as being a bad guy. Uh, Nicholas ends up happily ever after. And all the bad guys, once again, get there. Come up and says, or comes, comes up, up. and <laughs>
0: <laughs> So with a name like, his name is Mulberry Greed, right? Uh, Sir Mulberry Hawk. Sir Mulberry Hawk. And then we have Hawk. Arthur Greed. Arthur Greed. Mm-hmm. Now, Arthur Greed. Mm-hmm. It's a little on the nose.
1: G-R-I-D-E. Okay. Maybe it's Gride. It could be Gride. It might be Gride. I just assumed it. Was no, but I mean, Greed makes his, sense. Yeah.
0: But, you know, with Mulberry Hawk, you got some great names. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just want to say... Charlie, maybe you were phoning them that in, you know? <laughs> He's spent all his time working with Wackford and Slider Skew. Yeah. He was know. just like,
1: you know what? I'm just going to slip this uh, out. What's a... Earth whatever. All right. Gotta got to get this done. We got this. Um, a fun uh, bit of trivia. R- related to Nicholas Nickleby, um, Roald Doll must have been a really big fan of this book oh. because in the BFG, the Big Friendly Giant, um, the main character learns to write uh, by reading this Dickens novel hundreds of times. <laughs> oh my god! So, <laughs> that's his foray into the English language is is, wow. is is this really complicated Dickens novel? I didn't
0: read that book, but I I do really like Roald Doll. Yeah, it's just the it right amount list. of weird. Yeah. You know, and
1: also um, the headmistress, Miss Trunchbull from Matilda advocates Wackford Squeers' method of teaching as one that should be admired. So that's that's (laughs) another way that you're supposed to know that the Trunchbull's a bad guy. Other than
0: her name and all of the torture devices in her office. Yeah, she was really awful. Like Matilda is a is uh, a tough book I, it's one of my favorites oh no it's, yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. fabulous but the fact that Roald Dahl was a children's author <laughs> is astounding to me because of all the horrible things sure. that happen
1: yep and we have those really pretty illustrations oh they're so in beautiful in there Quentin, uh, Quentin something what are you, which one? Roll Roll Doll's illustrator.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I don't. About. Yeah, I know who yeah. you're talking about, but, but his you know, name his, escapes he, me. His pictures were so lovely oh, and charming. And the Giant Peach" is my oh. favorite. I read that book probably twenty times. Yeah. I love that book. Where they just like eat the holes <laughs> and then they into the peach and then they live <laughs> near the pit. Oh, it's a great book. Highly recommended. What a great book. Yep. Uh,
1: podcast recommendation: <laughs> reads some Roll Doll. Yes. Uh, so we're out of Nicholas Nickleby. Uh, it's 1841 Mm. we have a book called The Old Curiosity Shop oh okay yeah Yeah. it it doesn't have an alternate title Um, (laughs) it's pretty scandalous though I'll tell you why uh, so this is one of the two novels, which is uh, the other one I'll talk about in a minute, which Dickens published along with short stories in his own weekly serial called Master Humphrey's Clock. That was his like own literary journal, which was around for all of one full year um, from 1840 to 1841. Um, in this book is one of the earliest mentions of a dunce cap. Oh, in in written literature, which is which is fun. Um, It's noted as just one of the many things found on an elementary school classroom wall, which kind of suggests that um, that it had been around for a while. And it's not like a weird thing to. to Okay, so Don's Caps still happening in the 19th century. Okay, All right. So here's the plot. Uh, This is the story of Nell Trent, who is a beautiful and virtuous young girl of about Mm. 14 Um, she's an orphan.
0: Obviously. This is a Dickens book. Yeah.
1: Uh, she's an orphan. She lives with her maternal grandfather whose name we never, uh, learn. He's just grandfather. Her grandfather. Yeah. Uh, in his shop of odds and ends. Um, her grandfather loves her dearly, but now lives a lonely existence with almost no friends, her own age. Uh, her only friend is Kit, who is an honest boy employed at the shop. Um, and she's teaching him to write. So her grandfather attempts to provide Nell with a good inheritance uh, by gambling at cards. So Uh um, he borrows heavily from the evil Daniel Quilp. Quilp. Yep. Uh, Who is a malicious, grotesquely formed hunchback dwarf moneylender.
0: Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Grandpa, (laughs) your fault for borrowing money from the grotesque (laughs) hunchback moneylender named Quilp. Quilp, yes. You should have seen that coming. Yeah. Just saying. So, uh, turns out that Nell
1: has uh, an older brother named Frederick, who's kind of a no good fella. Um, so, he's convinced that uh, Nell's grandfather has stored up a large and prosperous fortune for mm. Nell. So, Frederick tries to convince his
0: friend, Dick Swiveller. Dick Swiveller? Uh, oh, no. To help him. I think <laughs> I, I'm going to say it. I, I'm almost positive that's the brand name of a French condom. I'm almost positive, <laughs> Swiveller. Yes, Dick Swiveller. <laughs> Continue.
1: So, um, Frederick, the bad guy, you know bad brother, uh, convinces Dick Swiveller to help him track down Nell, <laughs> so that Dick Swiveller can marry Nell and share her supposed inheritance with Frederick. So they join forces with the bad guy Quilp, who knows full well that there's no fortune because the grandfather's just been like borrowing money from yeah. them, uh, but decides to hel- to help them. You know, help them find them. So, because he just likes uh, playing devil's advocate and yeah, he's having, just being, like, he loves being around dick. him. Uh, so, Nell and her grandfather travel around England on some adventures, and at the end of the novel, Nell dies of melancholy. What? And it ends up driving her grandfather and everyone who loved her mad with grief. So, oh this is like the scandalous part. So, um, this book was so popular that. New York readers stormed the wharf when the ship was bringing the final installment to America in 1841. The hype surrounding the conclusion of the series was unprecedented. Uh, Dickens fans were reported. Yeah. So they stormed the piers in New York City. uh, They shouted to arriving sailors who might have already read the final chapters, you know, because they weren't busy. Like, Yeah. Dealing with being a sailor. I don't know (laughs) that they might have, you know, they thought that they might have had a chance to read the chapters and they were all yelling, "Is little Nell alive.
0: Oh as my god! The ship was
1: coming into port, um, and in 2007, there were a lot of newspapers that claimed that the excitement of the release of the last installment of the old Curiosity Shop was the only historical comparison that could be made to the excitement at the release of the last Harry Potter novel.
0: You know what? I was going to make that mm-hmm. reference because I worked at Barnes and Noble <laughs> yep. for almost all of the midnight release parties, <sighs> which are a real Bless pain you. in the ass. Just an enormous pain in the ass, and the same with uh, um, the the uh, Twilight series. Oh sure. Uh, and these kids were crazed. <laughs> I remember it was the release of the seventh of the book, and we like sold all the books, and it yep. was like, and we locked up the doors, and we left. <laughs> well, we were on our way out, and there was a a child. Banging on the Aww. windows outside going, Harry Potter! <laughs> he was just he was just like his little face was pressed up against Aww. the doors. And we just stood there and took pictures with our phones and laughed. And just quietly, and backed quietly out. left. Yep. Now I think I think someone like gave him a book <laughs> and he gave handed a twenty or whatever. Yeah. Aww. That's insane. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah. To think about that like this. Like this um, serial was so popular at the time that
0: now she dies at the end. She dies. So do you think that there were some reviewers who were like, Dickens really like phoned in the end? Like, oh he yeah, a lot of
1: do. a lot of critics are like, oh uh, such a terrible. No one has scene and, like, actually
0: died of melancholy. Yeah, be like, oh, I'm just so t- just uh, so tired and uh, sad.
1: Yep. So. Uh, You might get some like literary references that talk about like the death of little Nell. And that's okay. You're
0: referring to this to this book. This kind of anticlimactic like. Yeah.
1: Everybody dies. The end. Yep. Oh, well. Um, uh, The other book that was published in his in Dickens own magazine was called Barnaby Rudge, A Tale of the Riots of 80 or just Barnaby Rudge. So, this is 1841.
0: Really like bearing um, lead on that. This I feel is like <laughs> riots are way more interesting.
1: So, this is another one of his, like, his, one of his only historical novels. So, it takes place in 1780 after the American Revolution, but it takes place in England. So, oh. Barnaby Rudge, uh, Simpleton, with a <laughs> pet raven named Grip. Oh. <gasps> Um, So, uh, I mean, this book is boring. Uh, He (laughs) ends up mistakenly joining a mob who marches on parliament and burns down a bunch of Catholic churches. Oh, man, what a Um, snore. There is a one-earned man named Joe Willett who just got back from fighting the colonists in America. Um, So, TBH, it's all very Shakespearean, kind of confusing and unpopular. But (laughs) trivia that you need to know about this. Uh, So, Grip the Raven is... Credited for inspiring Edgar Allan Poe <gasps> to write his most famous poem, The Raven. So, uh, Poe had written a review of Barnaby Rudge for Graham's Magazine in America, saying, among other things, that the raven should have served a more symbolic, prophetic purpose than it did in Dickens' book. So, he kind of took that and took that spirit oh. and turned.
0: And he was like, I'm going to make a great poem about right. it.
1: Right. And they were friends. So, oh, okay. you know, Dickens, he probably knew about it. Yeah. Probably wasn't too upset. Gave his blessing. Yeah. Uh, After Barnaby Rudge, we get A Christmas Carol in prose, being a ghost story of Christmas, aka A Christmas Carol, 1843. Uh, We all know this plot. I'm not going to talk about it at all. Um, the trivia you need to know the exclamation bah humbug entered popularly use in the English language as a retort to anything sentimental or overly festive and the name Scrooge became used as a designation for a miser and was included in the Oxford English Dictionary as such in 1982 so um, Dickens did coin a lot of words that entered the vernacular and also a bunch of like phrases and things like that so um, it's it's kind of fun to, to know about those After Christmas Carol, we have The Life and Adventures of Martin Chuzzlewit, or just Martin Chuzzlewit, 1844. So, this is the last of Dickens's. Picaresque novels. Mm-hmm. Um, so, picaresque is a genre of prose fiction that depicts the adventures of a roguish hero or heroine mm-hmm. of low social class who lives by his or her wits in a corrupt society. Um, so, this here, is the last of his. The picaresque? last of his. Uh, the last of his picaresque novels. Yes, that seems like that's He gets a only lot more his. like Roman up wow. in here. Yeah. Wow. A little Romana Clay. You oh. are. You
0: are throwing. <laughs> some terms at me. This is amazing. Bring,
1: brings you back to, uh, to your English major. Wow. Yeah. So the plot of Martin Chuzzlewit. <sighs> old Martin Chuzzlewit is very old and very rich and all of his family hates him. He brings in an orphan named Mary to take good care of him but, God, says, but that the as, orphans. Yeah, it says that as soon as he, as he dies she would get kicked back out into the street. So this is supposed to keep her motivated to keep
0: him alive so, while the rest of his family wants him dead. <laughs> so... Do you think that at this point, like he's been writing for 15, 20 years, sure. he's been popular. Yeah, as in, he's popular. Do you think that people are like, like with Dan Brown, where they're like, Oh God, with the orphans Another already. God, orphan. uh, like, I don't read Dickens anymore. After, after Nicholas Nickleby, they're it really so went downhill. Derivative. Yeah. Anyway. Um,
1: so yeah. So Mary is supposed to keep old Martin Chuzzlewood alive. Um, and she's supposed to be motivated to do so. Yeah. He has a grandson named Martin Chuzzlewit. (laughs) So there are multiple Martin Chuzzlewits in this book. Come on. Uh, Grandson Martin Chuzzlewit falls in love with Mary, though, and wants to marry Mary, but his grandfather isn't having
0: that. So wait, uh, is Martin Chuzzlewit, little Martin Chuzzlewit? Uh Uh-huh. And Mary, are they related, blood related? No. Oh, Mary's no, the, she's orphan the orphan that
1: came in to like take care Thank of you. See, old Martin. See, I'm already confused. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not It's not difficult to be confused <laughs> by this. Uh, so uh, old Martin disinherits his grandson, tosses him out into the world, uh, and younger Martin becomes an apprentice to Seth Pecksniff. Pecksniff, who has... That's uh, <laughs> dirty. is <laughs> not a good name. Uh, Seth Pecksniff. Peck Sniff has two daughters named Mercy and Charity. Uh, younger Martin befriends Tom Pinch, who is a servant of Peck Sniff. But Tom also falls in love with Mary. Like, Uh-oh. there's just something about Mary. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. So uh, Martin decides to go to America with his friend, but they get swindled and robbed and run into a bunch of charlatans and malaria infested swamps. Um, swamps <laughs> They're in America. I don't know. Maybe they're in Louisiana. Okay, that makes sure, sense. Sure, but uh, so this is this is some of Dickens's like anti-America like sentiments yeah, coming out. Yeah, I can like, tell. Like, wow, like really throwing some shade at America. Um, so Martin comes back to England, begs his grandfather's forgiveness. Uh, there are some pyramid schemes up in this book. Uh, Pecksniff and a guy named Montague. Um, young Martin's uncle Jonas Chuzzlewit definitely murders some guys. Bad guys all get confronted old Martin Chuzzlewit reveals that he was angry at the engagement between Mary and his grandson because he is the one who wanted to arrange the match himself. But he no. felt insulted that the credit of the glory had been stolen from him by the two making their own plans. Oh my God. How dumb is that? Yeah. Just that's like the dumbest so arrogant. plot point. Yep. Uh, I
0: this, was, I was thinking you were going to say he wanted to marry Mary. Uh, and then I was going to be like, Oh, that's so scandalous.
1: <laughs> no, he just wanted no, to be just, the one to, to get the glory for like setting them up. So dumb. Um, and then at this point, Martin and Mary get married and good Tom Pinch, who was also in love with Mary, never reveals his love for Mary Aww. and he never marries, but he <gasps> remains a good friend to both and is genuinely happy that his friends are happy. No, he's not. The end.
0: He is not. Tom Pinch drinks <laughs> laudanum every night into a he's stupor. He's going to opium
1: dens. Yes. Probably he's Jack the Ripper. Like, Yes. Oh
0: my God. You heard it here first. Friends and family. <laughs> Martin Chuzzlewit's best friend, Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. Oh, <sighs> All
1: right, so we are we're into the forties now. So it's 1845. He writes mm. a book called "The Cricket on the Hearth." Um, never heard of this. There's a cricket lives on the hearth of uh, <laughs> John Peerybingle and his wife Dot. Um, Dot Peerybingle. Dot Peerybingle. You know what? When we go to bars, that's going that's to be my alter ego. That's yeah. good. <laughs> uh, there is a toy maker with a blind daughter whose name is bertha Plummer and a nursemaid named tilly Slowboy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cricket serves as a guardian angel to the peary bingles or something like that uh there's like a comedy of errors that happens in this book uh, it's very victorian and christmassy really all you need to know is that it's a cricket that lives on the hearth because <laughs> does the cricket they'll have be a like no it's just the cricket oh, yeah okay. so it's not jiminy <laughs> Walt Disney stole that. I know. Um, no. So that's the cricket on the hearth. Oh, jeez. Yep. The Peer Bingles. Okay. Then we are at the dealings with the firm of Dombey and Son Wholesale Retail and for exportation. Is that the name of a book? Or Dombey and Son, 1848. So here's the
0: plot. He's really losing his touch at this <laughs> point, I feel. Yeah.
1: Uh, so here's the plot. Uh, Paul Dombey, really cold, pompous merchant widower with two children paul and florence uh his main ambition is to keep his firm going and he dreams of passing off his business to his son and he dotes on his son paul and neglects his daughter florence (sighs) however paul dies at age six and dombey (laughs) is a total jerkball to his daughter for the rest of her existence um eventually the older paul remarries after literally acquiring his new wife in a business deal uh, marriage is <gasps> loveless, new bride hates him, she eventually course. runs off with his business manager, Good. Uh, Dombey blames his daughter for all of this, obviously, uh, she finally runs away, Good. and then alone, uh, older Dombey loses his business, goes insane, eventually his daughter returns and forgives him for his bad behavior, and um, Florence, the daughter, marries a guy named Walter Gay and has two children, including a son named Paul. That's, that's Dombey and son. Ugh, God, that's the, boring. The, like, really all you need to know is like the son died, like super early and it just like drove his father insane. also
0: it especially this time period like victorians and like mid to late 19th century there was a lot of people just going insane oh yeah for no re- yep. like oh no my son died like no nah! <laughs> <Just like, "Rah!" laughs> <laughs> your eyeballs roll around independently of each other and suddenly you're full-on crazy which is not a thing that ever happened in real life so, maybe this was, was this just like a literary trope, do you think? Where it was like, everyone know no one knows anybody who goes crazy with grief, but it's such a dramatic thing in a book that it's like, oh, sure. Oh.
1: And it's, yeah, it would incite emotion from the reader sure. and, and all of that. So, but man. Uh, then we come to probably Dickens's best book that nobody's read.
0: <laughs> best question mark. Um,
1: it is called the personal history, adventures, experience, and observation of David Copperfield, the younger of oh. Blunderstone Rookery, which he never meant to publish on any account. Also known as David Copperfield.
0: Wait, the the part where it says published, not yeah, never that's meant to publish. In the that's title. still part yep. of the title. Yep.
1: God, long, long, long ass title. Uh, so this is a thinly veiled autobiography of Dickens,
0: and it was also his favorite book. Of course, yes, because David Copperfield, he makes himself out to be. Like the greatest, yeah, most tragic, most beautiful. Exactly. So here Cause, we go. Because Dickens was a real dick. Anyway. <laughs>
1: Here's yes. the plot. On me. Uh, David Copperfield's father dies before his birth and he's raised by his mother Clara and their housekeeper, Peggotty. Peggy. Whose first name is also Clara, but they call her Peggotty to avoid the confusion between okay. his real mother and the housekeeper. Uh, David's mother feels the need to have a husband and marries Mr. Edward Murdstone. Yeah, that
0: should have been your out first turns be a cruel man.
1: Wow. Surprise. Also totally mean spinster sister of uh, Mr. Murdstone, Jane, also moves into their house. Mm. Uh, so they send David to boarding school right away. And there David gets to know James Steerforth, who's a fellow student who will become his greatest friend and companion, oh. as well as the stern headmaster, Mr. Creakle. Oh. Uh, returning from school, David finds a new little brother and a mother oppressed by her husband. Eventually David's mother dies and David is sent off to forced labor by his stepfamily, where he <laughs> cleans wine bottles. Uh, during this period, David stays with the Macabre family and develops a deep pre- friendship with them. So Wilkins Macabre, who's the breadwinner there, he's unable to look after the household expenses and he goes into debt, oh. at which point David decides to run away from London. Oh. After many adventures, he reaches Dover where he where, uh, lives his aunt, Betsy Trotwood. Aunt Betsy welcomes David and pays for him to study law at Canterbury, where David rents a room in the house of a lawyer named Wickfield. There, David develops a sincere friendship with Wickfield's daughter, Agnes. Hmm. Um, David becomes a parliamentary reporter and marries a lady named Dora Spenlow. during this period. Um, David begins to be appreciated as a writer for some of his works. But after a few years, his wife dies. Uh, David turns to Agnes, who is his support in times of grief in doing so. David discovers the virtues of Agnes, whom he had always considered a sister, and begins to feel a strong affection for her. Mm. However, there is a total bad guy named Uriah Heep, Oh,
0: which is one of the greatest Abs-
1: yeah, names absolutely. in
0: literature. Absolutely. I will give
1: Dickens that. Uriah Heep. Um, he acts as Wickfield's administrator. Um, he also loves Agnes and is determined to marry her. Something about Agnes. Uh, to achieve his goal, Uriah Heep almost ruins Wickfield financially in hopes that he will submit and consent to the marriage. But he gets his comeuppance when Wilkins <laughs> Macabre discovers his ploy. At the end of the book, David marries Agnes who was always secretly in love with him and they have at least five children. I don't at know least.
0: why. I don't know. Why it's at least five children. <laughs> at least. Yeah. Minimum. Unclear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so I think nowadays when you say the word, say the name David Copperfield, people think of the magician. Yeah. Um, he did indeed take his stage name from this character because he liked how it sounded.
0: Yeah, um, so good name the
1: illusionist David Copperfield his given name is David Seth Kotkin
0: and he's from New Jersey yeah yep he looks like he's from New Jersey too <laughs> if you've ever seen him uh, so I feel like he's had a lot of work done just oh, sure. FYI yeah. yeah I think he had his nose his jaw he's definitely had some Botox <laughs> he's just not what he used to be you know <laughs> magician few of us are <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay after David Copperfield we get Bleak House mm, 1853 so bleak. Um, this is told both by a third-person omniscient narrator oh. and a first-person narrator. Both, yep, yeah, it How? like alternates. It's oh, I hate confusing. that. Confusing, yeah. Um, all right, summary: Bleak House. Um, Esther Summerson, she's the heroine. She's um, Dickens' like only real like female protagonist in all of his books. <laughs> Figures. Um, so, uh, Sir Leicester Dedlock and his wife Honoria. Wow. live on his estate at Chesney <laughs> what Are you
0: in England right now? <laughs> I, it sounds yeah. like it. I feel like super ooh. in England. Ooh, I smell the peat. Mm. Like, oh, the moors are rolling in front of mold me. Mold on the wold. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so unknown to Sir Leicester, Lady Deadlock had a lover named Captain Hodden before she married him uh. and had a daughter by him. <gasps> so she had like an illegitimate child before she married Sir Leicester. Yeah. Uh, so Lady Deadlock actually believes her daughter is dead. But the daughter, Esther, is in fact alive and being raised by Miss Barbary, who is Lady Dudlock's sister. Esther doesn't know that Miss Barbary is her aunt. What? After Miss Barbary dies, John Jarndyce becomes Esther's guardian. And after attending school for six years, Esther moves in with him at his home, Bleak House. So it's not like... Okay. It's not like... Bleak House is like a house where everything is sad and despondent. I mean, that's and what it's, I was like, expecting. it's like the
0: name of the house. Oh, I was hoping that it would be like a horror book. Ah, uh, no. Sorry. No such luck. Yeah, the house is called
1: Bleak House. Oh. Um At the center of the story is like a long-running court case, jarndice versus jarndice. Wow, so yeah, boring. very boring. Very boring, yep. Uh, Esther eventually learns that Lady Deadlock is her mother, but uh, this is only after Esther gets smallpox from taking care of a oh. homeless boy. <laughs> so. Oh nobody's allowed to be happy um <laughs> lady Dedlock is accused of murdering someone but it turns out her maid did it uh lots of people get tb i think <laughs> i couldn't tell <laughs> uh the court case finally gets settled but it ends up costing jarndyce all of his estate and he loses bleak house and then instead of marrying john jarndyce john her guardian esther marries mr woodcourt at the end of the book that's that's Bleak House. I mean, it was, like, adapted into, like, movies a bunch of times. Yeah. I know that one One starred, like, Gillian Anderson. It's supposed to be really good, but...
0: Is it? I mean, it, it sounds, sounds boring.
1: boring. Yeah. Huh. Maybe, maybe the, like, the, you know, the lords and ladies are a little more exciting than...
0: I guess. Than I, I don't know. Do. I think his reputation allowed him a lot of... Dickens, I mean. Allowed him <laughs> a lot of... You, you, know, you know. Yeah. yeah. Unnecessary yeah lauding yeah but
1: all right i promise i'm getting no. to the home stretch I, i'm loving um, this Please. we got a book called hard times for these times also known as hard times <laughs> 1854 uh it is the shortest of dickens novels Thank God. uh there are three books inside it book one is called sewing book two is called reaping and book three is called garnering Uh, Dickens wished to educate readers about the working conditions of some of the factories in the industrial towns of England and to confront the assumption that prosperity runs parallel to morality. Hard times.
0: Hard times. (laughs) All
1: right, Little Dorrit. Little Dorrit. Here we are in 1857, (laughs) Little Dorrit. Uh, Here's a plot. In London, William Dorrit is in a debtor's prison. Oh,
0: my God. (laughs)
1: He has three children, Fanny Tip and Amy, who is the aforementioned Little, little Dorrit. Mm. Uh, she was born in the debtors prison, and her mother dies when she 's eight. Uh, the children technically live at the prison but are allowed to leave and like kind of come and oh. go from the prison, I okay. guess um, and go to work. Uh, little Dorrit works as a seamstress for Mrs. Clennam. Her presumed son, Arthur, does some investigating and finds out that William Dorrit is actually the heir to a large fortune, what? enabling him to pay his and his children's oh, way out of the wonderful. prison. The Dorrits end up going on a grand tour of Europe and little Dorrit, unimpressed. Uh, <laughs> her, sister, her sister, Fanny, marries a man named Edmund Sparkler and Edmund Sparkler's stepfather actually loses all of the Dorrits and Arthur Clennam's money. <gasps> what? Ah, some Come weird, on. dumb pyramid scheme investment. Whatever. So Dorrit's no money anymore. Uh, Arthur ends up in the debtor's prison, and Amy helps to nurse him back to health when he becomes ill. And Arthur eventually gets money when his business partner comes back from Russia. Oh Surprise. God. And then he and Amy marry. So oh. in the end, little Dorrit uh, is not married to or living in a debtor's, a debtor's prison. prison. Well, hey. Great. Tale of Two Cities, 1859. I hated this book. Oh my God. Maybe more than any other book that I've ever had to read. Uh, it's about the, best of times. the French Revolution, oh. before and during the French Revolution. Yeah, it was mostly the worst of times. <laughs> uh, London and Paris. Uh, characters include some of like his more iconically named characters. So you got Sidney Carton, Doctor Alexandra Manette, who is a prisoner at the Bastille, uh, Lucy Manette, who is his daughter, Charles Jarnay, who is a young French noble, and then you have like Monsieur and Madame Defarge, and a guy named Jarvis Lorry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um I'm not going to summarize this book for you. No,
0: thank you. And I mean aside from the uh the fiction the f- fictionization, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Turn it into fiction. Yeah. <laughs> of of the French Revolution. The French Revolution as a historical moment in time is boring, <laughs> I find. There's just a lot of like political stuff and yeah. then there's people and there's behead- the beheadings come very f- <laughs> The reign of terror few is, and not, far between. is not a great not No, a great I mean, that's like the most interesting yep. part. But then Robes it's just Pierre, like political but, intrigue and uh, yeah. I don't have the patience for that. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm. Yes, I'm not going to tell you about Tale of Two Cities. Thank you. Other than uh, writer J.L. Borges quipped, Dickens lived in London in his book A Tale of Two Cities based on the French Revolution we see that he really could not write a tale of two cities he was a resident of just one city london that was pretty shady <laughs> <It>
0: was, yeah
1: <laughs> like these are all like you know during yeah. his time yeah uh, all right we got great expectations in 1861 mm. What I had to read in the hallway in seventh grade. Um, it is a Bildungsroman, which is a coming-of-age story. Uh, the characters include Pip, Abel Magwitch, Miss Havisham, Miss Estella, Havisham. and Joe the Blacksmith. Uh, Pip's full name is Philip Pirrip. <laughs> so, so
0: his <laughs> nickname was Built-in.
1: <laughs> yeah, right there. Um, and Dickens rewrote the original ending because his friend said it was too sad. So... Oh,
0: That's interesting. What was the original ending? Um, I
1: think it was that like he...
0: Died of melancholy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was just like he and Estella didn't end up together or
0: whatever. But and he rewrote the ending because Wilkie Collins sold him too. Yeah. I am... Oh, Wilkie Collins. There you go. I am a big fan of the Great Expectations movie starring um, Gwyneth Paltrow and one... Oh, what's Ethan his Hawk? name? Ethan Hawke. Yes, the soundtrack is great. It's very beautiful. The Miss Havisham scenes, I am all about. <laughs> Miss Havisham is kind of my spirit animal. I, I, <laughs> like maybe not the living in the past, wearing her wedding dress, With your her moldy recs. wedding cake, yeah, sitting on the table, that, but the sheer like not caring about what other people think and just being a just a nutcase, a yeah is uh is attractive to me in a certain level that could be level. the theme of your wedding oh <gasps> Julia you're blowing my mind <laughs> what if the theme of my wedding was great expectations
1: <laughs> you just hired a bunch of orphans
0: yeah and I just wild eyed just wander through my reception <laughs> don't talk to anybody <laughs> <laughs> to anybody just singing to myself decorations <laughs> are just like cobwebs <sighs> Oh my God, that's so metal. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool. Oh, oh man. Thank you for that.
1: All right. We, got, we only got two more books. All right. Go let's, ahead. I'm okay. sorry. No, it's let's good. do this. Uh, Our Mutual Friend, mm. published in 1865. It was his last completed novel. Here is the plot. A body is found in the Thames and identified as that of John Harmon, a young man recently returned to London to receive his inheritance. Uh-oh. They're like, who's getting inheritances anymore? It's just the same. So 19th century. These,
0: all these books are the same plot, just like <laughs> reworked in different ways. Like, what is that called? Like um, smashed and stirred? Remixed. Remixed, yeah. yeah that, what sure. do they call it? Smashed and, sure. I don't know. I don't yeah. know the term, continue. Yeah. Uh, so, Chopped and screwed. That's it.
1: Go ahead. What do you say? Chopped and screwed. Oh, I'm unfamiliar with that. <laughs> it's term. a DJ thing.
0: Oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> All
1: right. I'm not cool enough for th- to know that. Uh, so if John Harmon had lived, his father's will would have required him to marry Bella Wilfer, who is a beautiful mercenary girl whom he <laughs> had never met. And instead, the money passes to the working class family, the Boffins, and the effects spread into various corners of london society spoiler alert john Harmon is alive the whole time (gasps) yeah um so this is that um that manuscript that dickens um went back onto the train that had derailed to um grab the manuscript
0: because it was so genius he had to keep it
1: yep all right uh final last book the mystery of edwin drood which he wrote in 1870 mm. um, and it is unfinished. Yes. So the story focuses on Druid's uncle, who is a choir master and an opium addict, <laughs> you know, naturally mm-hmm. uh, John Jasper, who is in love with his pupil, Rosa bud. Oh, <laughs> so miss uh, <laughs> bud who is actually Druid's fiance um, has also caught the eye of the high spirit and hot tempered Neville landless who <laughs> comes from Ceylon with his twin sister, Helena Landless and Drood take an instant dislike to one another. Drood later disappears under mysterious circumstances. And then we never know. We never know.
0: So the book Drood mm-hmm. by Dan Simmons. I had to look that up. Um is a great book. I highly recommend you read it. I don't know if you have, have you? No? I have not. Um, it's about um the relationship between Wilkie Collins. Wilkie Collins is the main narrator. Mm-hmm and dickens and uh i think this is true wilkie collins and dickens had a very contentious like love hate relationship they were frenemies if Mm -hmm. you will and so um it the catalyst for this is dickens takes wilkie aside one day when he's visiting his home and he's like there's this guy that's following me around. His name is Druid. He doesn't have any skin on his face. He has no nose. He has uh, no lips. And all you can see is this sharp, jagged teeth. And he just like floats around very creepily. Oh man. And so Wilkie Collins is like, Dickens, you're losing your mind. Yeah. And he was like, nope. When I was in that train crash, oh, yeah. I saw him and what he was doing was he was going from body to body and like touching their faces Ooh, and like stealing like their, oh, it's so good. I no, you gotta, it's okay. really good. But then Wilkie Collins starts seeing Druid <laughs> And he's but also Wilkie Collins has like really bad gout or something, (laughs) which I think was true. Too much rich food. And he would drink like full glasses of laudanum. So the whole he's an unreliable narrator. Because the whole time you're wondering if Wilkie Collins is is actually seeing this person. Is it like just suggested? And then later in the book, no, uh, no spoilers, but he's like Dickens Drude is with me. And Dickens was like. Willie, i made that up like I, I made that up like i was just jagging you man and he was like no he is a real person so it's really good it's okay. very big it's a very thick book um but it is worth it and it is cool i highly recommend drood by Great. dan simmons also side note mystery of edmund drood edwin drood they made a musical of like yes. someone finished it <laughs> and they did it up in um Niagara-in-the-Lake quite a few years ago. But I can just imagine, like, my name is Edwin Drew. Like, it's (laughs) just, this is my fiance. Her (laughs) name is Rosa Budd. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was not successful as far as I can tell, but that was a thing.
1: Oh, man. Uh, Some last bits about our friend Charles Dickens. I'm excited. Uh, His works have never gone out of print. It's pretty good. What? Yeah, that's great. Seventy, hundred, eighty 180 years. Holy cow, yeah. Works yeah. have never gone out of print. Uh, he has a lot of, he had a lot of famous friends. So mm. he got, you know, like you said, Wilkie Collins. Yeah. He's friends with Washington Irving, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Oh, wow. Edward Allen, Edgar Allen, Edward Allen Poe. Mm. Not, not nope, as that's good that's, as the cousin. <laughs> that's, that's the less successful cousin of Edgar Allan <laughs> Poe. Uh, that's gross. He was acquaintances with Hans Christian Andersen. So, um, mm a fun story about that life is uh, Hans asked if he could come and stay with Dickens. um, And then he promised like he wouldn't inconvenience him or anything. He just wanted to like come and stay for a little bit. Uh, Turns out uh, he stayed for five weeks. What? (laughs) So like, you know how they have the, the, you know, the phrase that, you know, fish and house guests are best after. Three days. I don't know. Before three days, or you know they what go I, bad you after three I mean. days. Yeah. Uh, so the Dickenses were like dropping hints left and right that it was like time. Hans, you got to get out of get here. Out of here. <laughs> Here's your hat. What's your hurry? Um, after he finally left, um, Dickens wrote on the mirror that was in his guest room Hans Anderson slept in this room for five weeks, which seemed to the family ages. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: pretty good. I think that's mentioned in the book, Drude, because Wilkie stays in that room. <laughs> yeah. And he it's, mentions it's, something about what he wrote. That's
1: really mm-hmm. cool. Um, other guys, other people he was friends with, um, William Makepeace Thackeray, um, George Cruikshank, George Eliot, actually Marianne Evans' pen mm. name, um, Edward Bulwer-Lighton. Um, so we know him because he started famously his 1830 novel Paul Clifford with It Was a Dark and Stormy Night. Yes. So a lot of people know that that's him, but they don't know what book it's from. It's mm-hmm. from Paul Clifford. Good it Was know. a Dark and Stormy Night. Um, another one of Dickens's famous friends was a surgeon named Thomas Pettigrew okay Um, he specialized in having mummy unrolling parties yes that was a thing (laughs) that was a big fashionable thing so big craze of the Victorian era in Mm -hmm. England was to acquire yourself a mummy from Egypt and then bring it to a party and people would take turns unwrapping yeah it It was like
0: between the last course and dessert they were like hey everybody we got a treat for y'all Yeah, get out the scissors yep. we're gonna unwrap some mummies gross <laughs> yeah and then they would take the bones well not those yep. people specifically but like mm. mummies were a lot of times they were like crushed up and yep. powdered and people would use them as like medicinal salves right. or they
1: there was a big um time in the end of the 19th century where they thought that they were going to start making paper from, from mummies, mummies. so
0: people are gross <laughs> they're awful you heard it here folks yeah
1: um one last bit. Uh, in 2007, a Dickens World theme park opened. No. In Kent. Uh, it closed in 2016. Yeah. Here are the original attractions Ooh. a Great Expectations themed water ride. What? A 40 movie at Peggotty's Boathouse. An animatronic show in a mock up Britannia Theater. An interactive schoolhouse based, based on the Doth Boys schoolhouse oh from Nicholas God. Nickleby. <laughs> <laughs> is there like an animatronic wackford squeers like that's that would have that would have been okay to see um also a fagin's den play
0: area for children oh my god
1: uh then there was a themed bar and restaurant after uh that one of the places in our mutual friend and the park exited through a gift shop called the
0: old curiosity shop oh my gosh
1: only the british yeah but it closed in 2016. So sadly we cannot go visit the heartbroken. World theme park. Oh man, that would be fun. So uh, that is uh, all of the, all of the summaries (laughs) of of all of the Dickens books. Remember them if you're (laughs) studying for things, because there are certain names you need to know. Yeah, The plots are maybe not as, not as important. No, but basically if you're reading a book and there's an orphan or there is a a, Uh, debtor's prison (laughs) or you see some names that are a little too on the nose um you're reading a dickens yeah spoiler alert so um now it's time for my quiz called dicks and charles's this is a 10 question quiz on guys named richard or charles nice (laughs) (laughs) question one Charles Darwin, a contemporary of Dickens, is best known for his contributions to science on the theory of evolution. He attributed his first real training in natural history and collecting data on various species to his voyage on what ship? Question 2. Which divisive British comedian has starred in the television shows The Office, Extras, An Idiot Abroad, and Derek? Question 3. Which royal lineage, also referred to as a dynastic family, does Charles, Prince of Wales, belong to? Is it Windsor, Tudor, or Saxe-Coburg-Gotha? Question four. Spiro Agnew served as vice president under which U.S. president? Question five. In 1927, aviator Charles Lindbergh made his record-breaking flight from New York to Paris in 33 and a half hours in what famous single-engine plane? Question six, Richard Dean Anderson is a television actor most famous for playing which secret agent who frequently got himself out of sticky situations with a Swiss army knife and various ordinary household objects? I need this hero's first and last names. Question seven, which French general and statesman named the greatest Frenchman of all time in 2005 has the second busiest airport in Europe named in his honor? Question eight. This multi-genre musician was born in 1932 as Richard Wayne Penniman. He has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and also the Hollywood Walk of Fame, among others. His hits include Tutti Frutti, Long Tall Sally, and Lucille. What is he best known as? Question nine: I have three true or false questions on the famous peanuts cartoonist Charles M. Schulz. I'll name three statements, and you tell me if each is true or false. Statement one: His nickname was Sparky. Statement two: A proponent of manned spaceflight, Schulz was honored with the naming of Apollo 10 command module Charlie Brown in 1969. And finally. He finally let Charles Brown kick the football. (laughs) Charles Brown. He finally let Charlie Brown kick the football in the last ever Peanuts comic strip. And our last question, question 10. In the National Hockey League, the Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy is annually given to the player with the most what? We'll give you about a minute to think about your answers, and then when we come back, we will give you those. the answers all right uh first question charles darwin um what uh, is the name of his ship it was called the beagle it was yes yeah. the hms beagle mm-hmm. um question two which divisive british comedian has starred in television shows like the office extras nadita Abroad, and Derek? um uh, it was ricky gervais yes 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 yeah. Uh, Question three Which royal lineage uh, Does Charles Prince of Wales Belong to Is it Windsor Tudor Or Saxe-Coburg-Gotha
0: I'm gonna go with Windsor It is Windsor Yes Yes.
1: Uh, Question four Spiro Agnew Was the vice president Of whom Uh, Tricky Dick Nixon Yes Yes. Yeah Um, And Question five In 1927 Aviator Charles Lindbergh Flew What famous Single engine plane
0: I don't know this one. Actually. It is
1: uh, The Spirit of St. Louis. Oh, okay. Yep. And that so is on display that. at the National Iron Space Museum. There in you Washington, go. Washington, D.C. Uh, question six Richard Dean Anderson, uh, various ordin- <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson starred in a show where he got himself out of tricky situations. What was his character's first and last name?
0: I'm going to go with um, Rick MacGyver.
1: Close. It is Angus MacGyver. Anger. Miss Angus Angus. MacGyver. Angus MacGyver. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, question seven, which French general and statesman named the greatest Frenchman of all time has the second busiest airport in Europe named after him? That is Charles de Gaulle. Yes. Uh, question eight, um, this multi-genre musician whose hits included Tutti Frutti and "Long Longtile Sally. Uh, what's his stage name? That's Little Richard. It is. Uh, question nine, three true or false questions on Charles Schultz. So the first one, his nickname was Sparky. I'm going to go with true on It that. is. It's oh, true. Great. Um his uncle called him this after the horse spark plug mm. in from the Barney Google comic strips. Oh. Uh, second statement uh, proponent of manned space flight, Schultz was honored with the naming of Apollo 10 Command Module Charlie Brown in 1969. Uh, I'm going to go with true. It is. It was go. true. Um, and also the lunar module Snoopy launched oh. on May 18th, 1969. And then finally, uh, he finally let Charlie Brown kick the football in the last ever Peanuts comic strip.
0: I'm going to go with false. It is false. Oh, Charlie Brown Charlie. never
1: got to actually kick the football. Poor Charlie Bob, Bob. Brown. Uh, All right. uh, Finally, question 10. The Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy is given to the player with the most what? Um, Saves. Oh, it's goals. Oh, see. Um, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So uh, in 1944, uh, the 1944-45 season, Richard became the first player in the NHL history to score 50 goals in one season. Wow. Doing so in just 50 games. Um, And he played for the Montreal Canadiens for 18 seasons. Um, So the the player with the most goals gets the Rocket Richard Trophy and the Art Ross Trophy goes to the player with the most overall points, which are both goals and assists. Nice. So that's it. That was great. Thank you for listening to me talk. Do not apologize, Julia. This was great. (laughs) Thank you so much. So uh, we hope you learned a little bit about uh, orphans, Mm -hmm. uh, debtors' prisons, debtors' prisons, um, druid, yeah, um, and uh, train derailments. I don't know. Yeah, one particular train derailment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, So uh, these are what we think you should know about uh, Charles Dickens. So thanks for listening. I hope uh, hope you'll listen to (laughs) us again. (laughs) Yeah, please keep listening. (laughs) You can um, listen to us on iTunes, Mm -hmm. on Google Play, on Stitcher, um, or you can
0: subscribe to our RSS feed and play it anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts. Yep. Uh, We have a website, missinfopod.com. Please join us there. Let us know what you think. Yeah. So um, thanks again, and we'll uh, see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.